Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back. COVID-15, this would be our 15th echo program with COVID. Which just tells us that COVID has been around way too long already. It just keeps happening. It does. Still hitting the peak in Minnesota. So today we had a very interesting and educational talk um, that was actually volunteered to us from one of the professors at UMD Medical School now, uh, Dr. Sandy Stover, who used to be the Cook County Coroner and her friends. Yes, and starting out, uh, Quinn Strobel uh, came behind her. She is actually a pathologist, I believe. Yeah, she's the the head medical examiner at Midwest Medical Examiner's Office, which handles a hundred, excuse me, a third of the counties in Minnesota. She does the medical examining so, yeah, so today was really all about death certificates, not exactly uplifting. But uh, after being a physician for quite some time, I realized how little I knew about the death certificate. And uh, I may not have been doing them correctly. That's what I learned today. But not only did you learn that you aren't doing them correctly, she actually had, we had a little poll at the beginning of the talk. Pretty much nobody in medicine was ever trained on this in medicine or residency and pretty much everybody thinks that like myself included that if I was doing it wrong all these years you know all of the seven and a half years I've been in practice that uh someone would have told me and you know at least called you right wow you're a moron right but Dr. Strobel informed us that no indeed they would not call you and tell you that um so Kurt currently is calling you know the the health records office to get the paper versions of all the records he's now filled out because clearly when he started his career, there was no such thing as internet. No. So I got like (laughs) 700 of them I'm going to have to correct. So basically, Sandy Stover, MD, she was the person that basically started out. She uh, talked a little bit about what they were going to cover and and really kind of hit on that whole post-mortem issues that have been in the news, you know, all these um, issues with where to put bodies and uh, some of the difficulties re- regarding coronavirus. And uh, Florida actually no longer publishing the state's medical examiner's coronavirus death data. So lots of the things. This is really the how it's been handled as far as COVID-19 has been uh, variable from state to state. Well, I think it's interesting, and I'm going to need to do my own research on this New York City Heart Island. I guess I had never heard of that. Heart Island is, I guess, where they bury a lot of the people who are from New York? You don't watch the news. It was on there continually. I have four kids. But anyway, she said, although this has been a focus, there's still a lot of bottlenecks within the mortuary and the, you know, being able to do um, funerals and such. And so this is how we can kind of speed up things going through the medical examiner's office, but it doesn't necessarily change what happens when it comes time to... um, 
have the funeral homes and everything like that. So what's the responsibility of a physician uh, after death? Uh, she kind of listed off the things that the physician need to do. Number one. Keep patients healthy as long as possible. Well, that's that's before death. Okay. I just want to make sure we pointed that out. Yeah. And so determining the cause of death of a hospitalized patient, determining the cause of death of a patient who dies at home, death certificate completion, and communicating, obviously, with the family, uh, especially nowadays with the old uh, COVID concerns. There is a difference then between the cause of death and the manner of death. And I think this was a huge thing um, that she talked about with, you know, they kind of kind of sprinkled that throughout. But manner of death is when you get to the point that it's natural, accidental, homicide, something like that. Yep. Anything that's not a natural death automatically goes to the medical examiner. Like trauma. Like trauma, overdoses, yep. accidents, stuff like that. So how good are doctors at doing death certificates? Well, pretty terrible. Terrible. And, and it appears that about 58% of death certificates uh, basically have unacceptable errors in them, uh, which, yeah, I think that that's going to obviously make their job all that much harder. And I think this just goes back to the fact that... Ah, there we go. None of us were actually trained to do this. And when you do train a provider how to do this, we actually are that bad at it. You're going to pretend like there wasn't that click-clack thing? I am going to pretend there wasn't that click-clack. I'm also going to pretend that my kids didn't just try calling me. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a little trouble with one mic. But, again, remember, we do not edit these. We just keep going. So... The death certificate agreement between on-site completion of the death certificate and investigator, well, there's a big difference in those. Um, and it was really, uh, they showed that there's really no agreement a third of the time. And so, uh, again, physicians really need to do a better job, and I think I, I really need to do a better job. Uh, they actually did a study where they trained people, and before and after, uh, they, they showed amazing improvements going from uh, basically 75% of these Physicians, somewhere between 30 and 75% of physicians incorrectly fill yeah. these out, but with some training, down to 24% of error. Of error. So, so, hey, so we'll live with 24% of the error. Yeah. So then Dr. Strobel took over and really went through the parts of the death certificate and how to fill this out. And this has always been confusing to me. I remember when I got my first death certificate to fill out as like a real doctor, you don't really know what to put. So really the focus on that first line is why did they die? Like what was it that caused the death? So was it a heart attack? Was it natural causes? So technically COVID could be considered a natural, well, it is a natural cause of death. So do you put natural causes and then you can say due to their underlying heart disease or due to well, pneumonia? It, or if For instance, like in COVID, you'd say respiratory failure and then... COVID-19, second. So it'd be due to. So yeah, I hadn't been doing that. And of course, on the side, it wants to know the interval onset to death. So um, that she really talked about that a lot and how just we need to remember as we go down the lines of that, that it's really each line is, this is the problem due to this problem, due to this problem. And if there's other issues, there's a little line underneath that for other significant conditions. So if the person also has dementia, renal failure, but they weren't really the cause of the death, hey, throw that stuff in there. Exactly. And that it should be really a logical progression. You should, it sh That part A should really be logical. You should not have misspellings. And 
I'll be honest, I was one of those people that just kind of quickly did it. But it is really important, especially for family members. Family members get these death certificates. And thinking about that, now I feel so guilty about the several I've filled out. Just they see that it doesn't necessarily make sense. So really understanding that the family is super invested. Like, why did my mom die? Why did my XYZ die? They're invested in that. So really understand that perspective. Yeah. So causes... On, that are often put on death certificates that really don't mean much, like cardiac arrest. Well, you know, cardiorespiratory arrest, anoxic brain injury, you know, you need to put what was the problem. So, uh, you know, she really kind of went on that, you know, that specific causes like myocardial infarction or cerebrovascular infarction or complications of dementia. And and a lot of times, the uh, you know, they talked about how you could put something even if the if there was no obvious single cause, you can put something like natural causes. And then you can put under natural causes, you can put, you know, the bottom either, all those other things that they had. If you don't exactly know, someone dies in a nursing home and it's, you know, they just don't wake up one morning, you put natural causes and in the bottom in that part B, you put they had heart failure, they had hypertension, they had diabetes, they had all these things. So anyway, again, family is very invested. Insurance companies can have a role. Attorneys have a role. Not that we always care about what they think necessarily, but it is a role. And then a point was pointed out when you come to getting grants for medical research purposes, it's based on all of this data. So if it's not correctly filled out, they can't necessarily get that funding to study that disease. Yeah, if it never shows up on death certificates. So then she kind of moved into the COVID thing. and Can I just before that no. point out the fact that I'm pretty sure I have used abbreviations for everything on every death certificate I have ever filled out. And that's a huge no-no. So hypertension can't be HTN because not a single family member is going to understand what that means. So really no abbreviations. No abbreviations. Write it out legibly with a full word and make sure your spelling is correct. Otherwise, you don't necessarily look all that intelligent. No. So one of the questions that came up really is, what if COVID has not been diagnosed, but you're clinically suspicious? Well, then what do you do? Well, the, again, these numbers matter. And so it's important to, to consider COVID on some of these death certificates if you believe that that was the cause of their death. And so even these patients can be tested later. So if you're concerned, you can do postmortem testing. And we spent a little time on postmortem we did, and we asked, you know, some specific questions as far as um, how long after death can you swab or should you swab or when is, how long is it there, or how fast you need to do, how long is it going to be positive. And, of course, the answer is I don't know, like everything with, with COVID. But they did say in Minnesota they have had one case that still tested positive four days after death. Yeah, but she also said be aggressive. We're not concerned that we're going to cause anybody any discomfort, so make sure that you get a good swab so I think that that's important. And, Be aggressive and, and last long. She actually said, this is the medical examiner, said, put that swab in there, put it in deep, go have a cup of coffee, come back, then take it out. Yeah, get as good a, as, a, good a swab really as you can. And, and really the people that may be doing this outside the hospital need to also be considering that after death. The public health nurses, the field epidemiologists, the funeral home directors, hospice nurses, all of these different people. So uh, again, get that good swab. Well, and make sure that in your community, 
as a countywide thing, discuss who's doing these swabs. Is it the hospice nurses if his person's on hospice? Is it the funeral directors? Is it nursing the nursing home. home nurses? Who is it? And there should be a protocol eliminating all these extra people. It should have very standardized. These are the people who do it. So then it's always done the same way. Yep. And then when you're filling out that that death certificate, is it a confirmed COVID? Or is it probable? Because if it is probable, the state will actually do a lot of investigation and all of that before they put it on their website and calling it a probable COVID death. Yeah. You know, this whole uh, conspiracy thing that they're taking drownings and then putting COVID as the cause of death, that's just not happening. She, I think she was pretty clear that, you know, they investigate these things pretty carefully if it's COVID and make sure that all the documentation is there. Right. So it's you not, can't call it a for sure COVID unless they actually have a positive test, yep. either pre or post mortem. And if they have all the signs and symptoms and they're still investigating and they have everything that fits it, they might call it probable. But everything else that, you know, just to try to get some financial incentive is definitely ruled out and not counted. And again, that's a legal document. So no providers should be filling that out incorrectly. Correct. So, and I think we already kind of alluded to this, uh, some of the trigger words on death certificates that, you know, are going to always end up with the medical examiner and that's uh, things like fractures or again, trauma or injury. So well, just understand that, that like, yeah. yeah, when they see those things, that puts it in a whole different pile. Well, and something I did not know is anything cremation wise that has to get approved. So every cremation needs to be approved by some type of coroner or medical examiner. Um, Cause I think that it, especially in rural Minnesota, you know, I guess the cremation has to be done within so much time to even be able to do it, which I didn't even understand. Didn't know that. But they have to be approved. And so if there is any concern ever for COVID, get the swab, then allow the cremation to take place. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty interesting. And But also realizing that not every single death, even if they have this coincidental positive COVID, is necessarily going to be a COVID death. Correct. So there have been people that have been swabbed positive for COVID because, for instance, they're in a dialysis program. But in fact, it was not COVID that caused their death. In fact, they've discontinued their dialysis because they'd had enough and and they were dying of that. Uh, and so COVID would probably not even be the probable cause of death in that case. So there's the question of, okay, you know, especially when we had limited testing, should we be testing all these people who've already passed? When in reality, I mean, now obviously Minnesota's not even using all the supplies that we have. It is important to to test these people because there's a lot of people that come in contact with that that body post mortem, you know, and they need to to have that protection. Whether it's families who've been caring for the people, um, it's that funeral home, it's you know the people who are going to come in and clean potentially. They all need to have that appropriate PPE, you know, even if this person at the end of their life was and now who has passed is obviously not aerosolizing anything. It's still something they need to be aware of. Yeah. So we did talk a little bit about, uh, you know, working with the patients and families. There you go. And there was, you know, a lot of different uh, issues associated with that. And, you know, again, we always have to remember the stress management of the families, you know, especially if they can't be there. Uh, I have a friend that's been working a lot of, um, you know, in a place where she's taking care of all of COVID. And I think she's found that the most difficult is that often they're, taking care of uh, patients and they just can't get them into the hospital to see them. So it is sad. So on a total tangent, I saw a patient in clinic yesterday who works at a nursing home and 
we we're, were talking about COVID, but you know, just totally not related. That's not why she was in. And she said it's very interesting and very sad that they are the family members for all these patients in nursing homes, not even the ones who are sick, just in the nursing homes because they can't have any visitors and trying to get these elderly people in a nursing home on a Zoom visit or on FaceTime and trying to talk through these window visits and how much it takes to just have a window visit. So really trying to understand, although we are all stressed, to really try to put yourself into everybody's situation because there are our differences. I'm going to switch to taking care of the body. Well, can we... Just Do you have something comment. else? Yes. Yep. You know, as far as like who picks up the body, if it's a home passing, you know, law enforcement, they need to know what kind of protective gear they have on, uh, funeral directors, EMS, anybody who's around this person. So all these things are important. Okay, now you can talk about taking care of the body. Yeah, well, it's been kind of interesting what they're doing. You know, and mortuary science people are – probably looking for some guidance. And it was interesting that the Minnesota Department of Health, of Health actually has quite a bit of information on that as far as transportation, storage, safety measures for the providers and staff. And so there is on the Minnesota Department of Health very good website that kind of tells exactly uh, how we can do those types of things, how we can register uh, the, the death and all of these things. So just understand that uh, the, the website really has a lot of a lot of use if you have any questions. Right. And they did, you know, digress away from COVID a little bit, but I found it super helpful that on their website, if you file the death certificate as a paper or online originally, you can always go back and edit that later for for like no cost or whatever. So I think that's super neat to be able to change that manner, cause of death. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, They did talk about some tools that CDC has, and there's actually uh, on the CDC website, there's multiple uh, ways that you can access some different videos and different things that can help you uh, fill out uh, different uh, death certificates. So that's something you can do as well. Apparently there's an app for that. Yeah, there's actually an app that you can use for cause of death. Make sure it's the CDC one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's uh, something I didn't know. I think... Another point that especially Dr. Strobel really put out there was just call your county coroner or medical examiner. You know, they're there to help you. And I would never have even thought to do that. You know, I would have maybe called the funeral home, but that might not, they, they might direct you to the coroner or the medical examiner. So I think that that's a resource to really take advantage of, especially every community might be a little different. Every county they mentioned has a little bit different protocol. Yeah. And so it is definitely okay to call them yeah. to get assistance with that. So there's all kinds of uh, different contact information um, from the Minnesota Department of Health and from the University of Minnesota Education. And again, from uh, Dr. Strobel. So uh, please feel free to uh, go on. You can actually go on these recorded uh, echoes and you can actually uh, get these off the end of the echo. Right. The one thing that we had asked at the end is there going to be some type of um, like recommendation and really the, the state of Minnesota both uh, talked about the death as well as hospitalized patients and recommend that every single hospitalized patient get a COVID upon admission, even if they didn't have official symptoms, get the COVID on admission just in case as well as if it's a nursing home patient and they pass, get a COVID. Any congregate living patient who passes, get a COVID on it because it's really helpful, again, for this tracking and this full community-wide impact. It might not be necessarily pertaining to that person's cause of death, but it really does impact 
the rest of the facility. Yeah. Well, then Joe Helly came on. Joe Helly did come on, and I was looking to see if he gave us the number, but he has not yet. Okay. There will be a phone number coming out in the next 24 hours that will be a great contact if you are trying to transfer patients and your normal path of transfer is somehow clogged up. They will find someplace else to send your patient. So it's going to be quick and easy and apparently answered 24 hours a day. Yeah, he called it a hotline, so it'll be for sure launched by tomorrow. Um, But ultimately, MinTrack, which I guess all facilities and through the hospital systems already use, it'll be accessible through there, including the Sanford and Avera Health System, so including the Fargo and Sioux Falls referral areas, because there are... I used to, uh, you know, moonlight down in Pipestone, and we refer to Vera and Sufal, so. Yeah. Well, I think we've hit just about everything. Um, I can hear the band starting to warm up, but we do have things coming up next week, Tuesday. Yeah, so next Tuesday we actually have uh, Dr. Baker, who is the Hennepin County Medical Examiner, and he's got some interesting slides because he won't even share them with us ahead of time. As cases. Far as cases. So we're going to look more at the cases of these kind of COVID-related deaths. But uh, more excitedly, we are having a special guest, potentially and hopefully, um, the Commissioner of Health, Jan Malcolm herself. Not a total confirmation. She's hoping to make it. Hoping to make it. But we're they are making a big announcement on Tuesday with testing and all of that. So I guess this is a big deal through the state. Um, so stay tuned for that. It'll be a really exciting one in the next Thursday a little kind of a teaser into the peds grand rounds, but some information more on the pediatric side. And then the following Tuesday, which I know seems like years away. Yes. And our, grand rounds. our regular echo will be Dr. Charles Resnikoff talking about uh, heroin and the music business and some oh, different songs. You don't want to miss that one. Don't want to miss that. And of course, if you want information about any of these echoes, Katie, K-A-T-I-E, Stangle, S-T-A-N-G-L, at catholichealth.net. You can always follow us on Twitter at Echo CSCT. And then sometime this weekend, we will post the summary of all the updated journal articles and everything that's new in research. We will do another summary this coming weekend. I've been reading like 100 articles a night. I didn't know there were such journals that I now subscribe to. Yeah, all from I don't China. Think, I don't think my mailman likes me anymore. I've been brushing up on my Chinese. Jeez. Anyway, band, please save us. All right. Well, thanks again, and we will uh, hopefully uh, you'll be listening to us next week. Thanks. Now that I've lost everything to you, you say you want to start something new. It's breaking my heart you're leaving. Baby, I'm grieving. But if you want to leave, take good care. Hope you have a lot of nice things to wear. Breaking my heart in two Cause I never want to see you sad girl Don't be a bad girl If you want to leave, take good care I hope you make a lot of nice friends out there Just remember there's a lot of bad anywhere Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world It's hard to get by
Wow. 